Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hello, welcome to Relatively Healthy. I'm joined by the amazing comedian, writer, actor, everything, Danielle Perez. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. So I've been a fan. You are an incredible comedian. You just really light up a room. So oh you're lighting goodness. up this podcast and it really Thank means you. a lot. That mean, this here. means so much. Yeah. I love this. I love this. This is like just the vibe of the whole thing. I lo- Oh my God. I just bathed in like light from the outside. It's, it's beautiful daylight. Yeah. So it's hot shot weather and, it's, <laughs> and this like warmness in, from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I want us. I want our listeners to bask wherever you are right now. Just bask in this. We love you. We're sending love and light. Okay, so like, let's actually start the podcast now, Janie. <laughs> We're going to start it in, in a deep, deep breath. breath. Inhale. Inhale. Exhale. Okay, here we go. Danielle. <laughs> so we're going to talk about your health journey. Just a hard transition there. Um, so you are an incredible comedian. And you are someone who I've just admired because not only are you hilarious and uh talented but you have a story and you put it in your act in such a way that I find so inspirational and awesome um so let's talk about it so you were in an accident how long ago was that 14 years ago I was 20 years old you were 20 years old and what happened so I was living in San Francisco I um it was no I was not technically going to San Francisco State anymore I was asked to leave the cool. university yes my parents did not know yet though but in San Francisco the pub, the way public transportation works out there the Muni um, they have streetcars and buses and the streetcars go above ground and below ground when they're above ground they ride with traffic and so when you have to catch them you go into the middle of the street to catch them and on my way to catch the streetcar, it took the light and it hit me and I lost my feet. So it ran the light is what you're saying. Yeah, it um, there was like the, uh, the muni driver actually didn't know that like he hit me. Apparently there was like a homeless person who had been a problem previously on that stop and was already there in this in that kind of center aisle like island. And so the muni driver saw that man and was like oh I don't want to deal with this and so he took the light and he didn't see me but the people on the muni saw me and were like you hit her you hit her stop yeah he hits the brake by the time it lags like he hit me I fly it runs over me but by the time the brakes actually stop the train 
the wheels are on my legs. And so they have to lift it off of me and get me out from under it. And what do you remember that? Were you conscious the whole time? I, there was, there's a gap. So like I'm crossing the street and I like know the meaning is there cause I'm trying to catch it. So yeah. I like see it, like I turn to the right and all of a sudden it's like that thing in like movies where it just like speeds up super fast. Like, oh no. Right, right. <laughs> but like what I remember coming to was I, it's like everything's like really fuzzy. I don't really remember faces, but I hear voices. There's like a man and a woman on either side of me. They're asking me like my name my age and I'm like oh my name is Danielle nice to meet you mm. <laughs> just the adrenaline yeah. is like <laughs> just making you coursing through my veins and just like shrouding me and just like a morphine haze of like of a pink cloud and you weren't feeling pain I wasn't feeling pain I was just it was just kind of a fuzzy numb throughout my body wow and so they're like asking me like what day it is what year it is all that stuff they ask me about my parents. I give them my parents' phone numbers, like my mom and my dad, their work, their cell, their home. I tell them what order to call my parents in. <laughs> and then um, they start doing this thing where, like, can you feel, like, your hands, your arms, your shoulders? They start working down my body, and then they go, can you feel your feet? And that's when I start to kind of panic. I'd been really calm up to that, and that's when I knew, like, something was wrong. Mm -hmm. They were like, no, just calm down. You're doing great. You're doing great. Eventually, they lift it off of me. They get me onto a gurney. They put me in an ambulance. They shut it. And when they shut those doors, I just lay and close my eyes like, I'm done. Like, I've done everything I need to do to kind of keep alive and make, like, survive the situation. Right, right. They have me. Like, yeah. at this point, it's all up to them. Yeah. So they get me under for a few days mm -hmm. because when the train initially hit me, it shattered my pelvis and that ruptured my bladder and so they had to open me up from like the top of my sternum all the way to like the bottom of my pelvis to like check all my internal organs to try to repair the bladder I mean the fact that I don't use a catheter is like kind of a huge thing yeah there was like a lot of major surgery beyond just the amputation and the lacerations like below my knees wow so they kept me under for a few days it was like an open wound and like the first thing I remember is my mom like petting my hair like, next to my bed she just goes you don't have feet I was like wow okay oh my <laughs> and then god. I immediately just like went back to bed yeah like, yeah on so many drugs oh my god and like, was, like thank the god first you reality were wow. of, like that checks out I last time we checked I couldn't feel them so <laughs> that makes sense just click in click out <laughs> I feel like I mean I can't imagine processing all of this at the time it had to probably be like a little bit at a time to to understand what was going on, right? I mean, it's so much to handle it. It was, moment. yeah, it was like, I heard that. I was like, okay, <laughs> I like went back <laughs> and then to sleep. And I was like, still in like, I see you and stuff. And then they like moved me to a room, but then I kind of slowly started. I was just, the thing is like, my body was such an open sore because, um, you know, the first priority was my organs, my bladder and repairing that and um getting all of that okay and then it was then they kind of were like what do we do about the the legs the feet because the lacerations that i suffered it was like there's no way i could keep my legs but they wanted to amputate me above the knees because there also wasn't enough of just like my regular tissue to make just like a good clean amputation a, an ideal amputation mm -hmm. um to have like a good residual limb that would work with prosthesis mm -hmm. but my parents fought very hard and I'm like thankful that they did to keep my legs, the amputation below the knee. 
because they're like, she's young, she's 20 years old, you know, she's in good health, like she can do this. But the way they maintain the amputation below the knee is they did skin grafts. So they had to take skin, they took it from my thigh. So they cut that off and grafted it onto my residual limb. So I was like, literally, I'm like this open sore, like my sternum, my whole abdomen has been like open for several days and then they like stapled it back together. My thigh meat, my thighs are just all exposed. My amputations, well, it was just, wow. I was just a human scale. <laughs> and you, and you weren't conscious for it. Like your parents were making no, decisions. No, I mean like or? after like, there was, a, there was like maybe like, I want to say five days where it was like, I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. I had this crazy dream that I, like, I was in the ICU and I was like, that bitch, I was like, I don't know, maybe like the face of a nurse. Like that right. I like focused all my anger on her where it was like, I just wanted a glass of water. Like I couldn't drink anything. You know what I mean? Like everything was happening through IVs and I was just so zonked out on pain meds but it's like I dream all I wanted was a glass of water and she was like no you can't <laughs> and so I just imagined there was like a bunch of glasses in like a pyramid and they were all filled and it was like on this like windowsill and it was like just out of reach and it's oh, like wow she could give it to me but she's not you yeah, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that for sure wasn't real you right know? right I mean it would be very cruel if there was the pyramid of glasses I like also like <laughs> there was like part of me that was like wait am I pregnant I'm like <laughs> Like, like, that's like always was a woman no matter what am i wait what about the baby like <laughs> right I, I had just like had sex with like <laughs> this guy that's a total fuck boy but like i was like uh-oh like also his girlfriend had just gotten pregnant yeah i make good choices um i'm like wait am i pregnant though <laughs> like, this is well, Danielle, maybe not. And probably for the best. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. Just but, like, yeah. Yeah. But like that week was like really hectic. But like they, you know, after they got me out of ICU, kind of like out of after I was out of the weeds with that, they put me um, like in a room at San Francisco General. And I was there for about a month. But the last surgery they did was the skin grafts. But like in order to do that, they had to keep my amputations like open and fresh mm. like those weren't those were just kind of they had to kind of tend to that like every day it was just bad so like a lot of cleaning and a lot, a lot of, of cleaning yeah. and that a lot sounds of painful a lot of nurses that didn't necessarily always know the way to clean it so then they had to like tear off things oh, and it like God. oh the scar is the whole wound is open again like it was bad really were they, is it like an inept staff there or was just the nature it's just of... the nature of like being in hospitals yeah. i mean it just people are human and people make mistakes there's so many patients i'm very thankful that like both of my parents were there and were able to be there you know it's like my mom was a teacher for la unified school district at the time my father is a an eye doctor you know optometrist like the fact that they were both able to like leave their jobs and stay with me for a month in yeah. San Francisco and advocate for me is huge. Right. What would have happened if there wasn't anyone there right? conscious but like, to choice, keep yeah. track of all the medications and how often I should be getting them and what exactly they do and making sure of all of that so that nothing else goes bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. But even with that, even with like a hawk parent, like still things like were not happening correctly. Right, right. Yeah, that's just the nature of being in a hospital yeah. and dealing with I mean, like, staff. you just don't, like, if you enter a hospital, you want to leave as quickly as possible. Like, the longer you stay there, the more, 
like chance and op- like opportunity you can get sicker things will happen mistakes will be made like you want to get out of there as get soon out. as possible yeah that makes sense and so for that month you were in the hospital there was that a time of reconciling what had happened and it was yeah it is not even processing it like yeah. it was just so like I was just such in such physical pain and it, like it was very surreal it didn't feel real I'm like in a hospital bed I can't really move around my friends were coming to visit me like I couldn't really eat solid food and I'm like bring me in and out and I'm like looking <laughs> at it like thanks, thanks. I can smell it That's right. right I can maybe like oh I, there's a bite I cannot swallow this like yeah. you know yeah but I was just hanging out like my friends the fact like the hospital staff was very like kind to me and like cool about like letting my friends spend the night and visit me but I just I I didn't really have like a real idea of like what it really meant because I was still like not out of the weeds like the surgery hadn't really happened like the skin grafts hadn't happened it was just like stay alive (laughs) yeah yeah stay alive and the people who visited you were they was it helpful to see people? Like, oh, was, for yeah. sure. I mean, they're still like my best friends. Yeah. Like, everyone that visited me in the hospital and stayed with me. Like, I'm so thankful for them. And, you know, like San Francisco, I I left Los Angeles going to San Francisco. Like, I'm starting a new life. I'm going to make friends. Like, I was a loser. I was like totally like ostracized in high school. So it was like my first chance to like be on my own. And the friends that I made there, I'm they're still a huge part of my life. And I'm like, so thankful that yeah. they stuck by me through all of that. And it's really crazy too, because like, they're actually the only people truly like in my life beyond my family that like knows me before I lost my legs. Cause yeah. like everyone in my life now, like through comedy, all of my comedy friends and acting and all of that, it's like, they've only ever known me like as a disabled person. Right. And that's kind of wild. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going to meet you and the impression they make versus the one, like the people who knew you before. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Do you find, I mean, it's skipping ahead, but do you find like people when they meet you, do you see like a difference? Do you experience a difference as someone who is in a wheelchair? Like do you versus maybe before like is that something that happens it's so I mean I feel like I mean it's so long ago but it's also not but also it's like I was only I was 20 years old like, yeah I wasn't I mean my adult life for the most part has been as a disabled like woman you know like I I was so awkward in high school and I don't like you're not really like a real person. Like, even though you think you're like an adult, like I can, I'm independent. I have a job. Like <laughs> I can vote. Like you're, it's like, Oh, you're an idiot. You're a child. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. I'll do a, a college show and I'll be like, these are children. Yes. <laughs> these seriously. Them to like be on their own. <laughs> I know. I can't believe at 18, we send off kids to make choices. It's, it's crazy. crazy. And it's we crazy. like accept those choices. It's so, <laughs> no, I know it's so it's- bizarre. You're like, and like parents pump money into it being like, do what you want with your life. It's like, I'm going to take a ceramics class. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's it's so crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So your life, like before the accident, it was teenage years and very, and now Mm -hmm. you're talking about like adult life too. So it's very different chapters that, that are, you know, different chapters, but like kind of growing through that, like early twenties of like, I just want to be normal and cool, but it's like, yeah, you're in a wheelchair. You're like struggling with prosthetics. I know it's the, (laughs) <laughs> being in the hospital with friends that that definitely like 
I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Like that was a peace of mind. And it's like, I'm not, but also, I mean, some really bizarro things happen. Like I had never really had a boyfriend up to that point. And so like the guy that I'd been dating for like less than a month was like visiting me in the hospital. And it's like, it's like, he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> Why the fuck does this guy? He's like, I mean, I just kind of met her. No. Is this the guy who got the girl pregnant? No. Oh, different guy. No, okay. no, different guy. Guy that I like actually liked. Um, <laughs> guy that I was like, you can be someone important in my life. Um, he like shows up at the hospital and it's like my family's there and it's like, wait a minute who is he to her right it's, it's like, like i'll explain when he leaves like i don't really yeah it's like yeah it was like this really awkward thing like he like kissed me at the end and like i never saw or heard from him again and it was like yeah that makes sense i can understand why oh like, my god he kissed you at the end it was oh god. so weird that's crazy so oh my god yeah did people show up where you're like why are why are they here? Like, <laughs> no, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. There was no, like, there wasn't too much of that. I don't, there wasn't anyone that was really like creepy or weird. Yeah. Yeah. So then with the prosthetics, what was the, like, the, sure. Yeah. The story with that. So, um, I, I'm not sure if it was like right before I had the surgery or right after, but like once they, when they did the skin grafts, they had the like prosthetic people come into my hospital room to kind of explain like what the deal was with that, how that was going to work. They get in and it's like my friends and family are all in there and they like start like their pitch or whatever. And I'm like, steps up. Can I wear high heels and can I be taller? And they said, yes. And I was like, okay, then I don't really think we have much to talk about. <laughs> Just like <laughs> sent them on their way. Right. And everyone was like, I mean, do we tell her like <laughs> she's being kind of insane? Or, right, like, right. We just let it lie. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, I mean, like, fair, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> they said yes. They said yes. But um, yeah, not that easy, mm. clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I still use a wheelchair to get around. And um, after they did the skin grafts, I went, um, they transferred me down to Huntington Memorial here in Los Angeles, in Pasadena, California. And so I was there for a month healing from the surgery and um, doing like physical therapy, which, oh my God, this one time I was like so pissed. I like, I was just like angry. Like by the time I was transferring to San Francisco General or sorry to Huntington Memorial, I was starting to like, it was sinking in to the point where like, I am actually very angry about what happened. Enough time has passed where it's like, I get what my reality is going to be and I don't love it. And so it's like, I didn't want to transfer out of bed. I didn't want to learn how to transfer. Mm. Um, the physical therapist would come in to do like exercise with me, which is like moving my arms. And I'm like, I was a dancer. I did ballet. I met my best friend in college in ballet. Like I do tap and jazz. Like I was uh, yeah. furious. Furious. This woman's moving my arms. Yeah. yeah. And it was like we were doing like fucking chicken, chicken dance up and down. Right. He <laughs> wanted to put a gun in her head. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was it was shitty but it was like okay well I'm gonna get prosthetics and it's gonna be fine but I got prosthetics and the thing is like the skin grafts work they're fine but my tibia and fibia are so completely exposed there's just like no tissue there to kind of absorb anything and the 
and the skin that is there is scar tissue because it's been grafted on and it doesn't breathe like regular tissue. It doesn't move like regular tissue. There's just not enough. Like it just, the resilience of it is not the same as regular tissue. So what happened was that I am getting fit for prosthetics and I'm walking on them and I have like a standing prescription for like oxycodone and I just keep taking it Mm -hmm. so I can just like get through a day and but it's like my body's in pain for a reason and when it's in pain like that you need to listen otherwise you develop a fucking staph infection Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's just what kept happening Mm. like I was in the hospital like two times with staph infections and staph infections you are taking IV antibiotics you're in the hospital you're there for a week at a time like it's a serious thing like you can't build up a tolerance to those kinds of antibiotics otherwise there's nowhere left to go right right so that was like like the prosthetics that whole period I want to say it was like a good like I want to say like four to six years of me like trying to figure out how to use them yeah was just because you're told like if you try really hard if you apply yourself and you work really hard and so it's like I'm spending hours in a prosthetics prosthetist's office right Right. they're like taking casts and taking molds and making adjustments and carving out here and there and it's like I can't be in these this person's office every day to then like be like okay I think it's fine and then only be able to walk on it for 10 minutes that's not like living it's like I'm 20, 21, 22, 20, like I'm young. I want to like go out. Also, too, it's like I want to go out and party and be cool and like not be like the girl like with no feet. You know? <laughs> I just want to be normal or whatever. It was. Yeah, it wasn't great. I I did something. I don't know. It was kind of wacky, though. I I went to Italy, I did study abroad. So like um, I didn't finish San Francisco State, but I like came back to Los Angeles. I lived with my mom. And how did your parents take that? Did you tell them like when you were? Well, I mean, the thing is, like, <laughs> there's like bigger fish to fry. There was like at this a point. lot more. It's yeah. kind of this thing that like they don't super talk about <laughs> how I got kicked out of school and just never bothered to tell them. They're like, well, you lost your leg, yeah, so, so let's focus on let's that. Let's figure out priorities right now. Okay, cool. <laughs> But um, I started going to Pasadena City College and I was taking classes there and, you know, I like got my car adapted and learned to drive and it was chill. But like um, they have a study abroad program. I was like, I'll go to I want to go to Europe. Fuck it. Why not? (laughs) The thing is, anyone that applies basically gets in. And so they were like, wait, you're disabled, though. And I'm like, yeah, we'll make it work. They were like, um, we don't want to discriminate. So I guess she's going. I did study abroad in Florence for three months. Which I just I think of like (laughs) old buildings, cobblestones, 100 percent. That is not a accessible city. Not in any way, shape or form. Wow. What was that like? I can't imagine it was hilarious wow it was just like i i didn't go like the the manual wheelchair that i have is very like it's um a small like quickie that i can like take off the wheels and stuff like that but i was in kind of one of more like a push kind of a wheelchair but i went with prosthetics and i was like i gotta be able to walk you know cobblestone all this stuff they're like all right we're gonna get your legs okay like my prosthetist was trying to find like Italian prosthetists to like take care of me in case anything happened. That of course didn't work. My first week there, three days in, I'm like, yeah, if I keep walking on these, I'm for sure getting sent home with a staph infection. So I guess it's the wheelchair. And like 
like and but just like every like I didn't know anyone in my class like they were like oh it was in the fall they were like you should take Italian in the summer and I'm like um this is vacation I don't know why you're talking about me learning <laughs> a new language but I everyone was just very cool they were like all right yeah no Danielle let's like help her out let's push her and because I am below the knee amputee like I can crawl on my knees I had like knee pads I was just we made it work you made it I work made were it, you was, like living on a level like above ground the, level the way they did it is everyone in the program was split up into different apartments throughout the city so kind of everyone was like all over the place and that was kind of cool because you visited different people's apartments and you kind of like got to learn the city in a different way but we were in a residential place um it was like street level um and it was it was like access it was fairly it was accessible fairly accessible yeah yeah it was like it was a more we called ours um palazzo print um principessa <laughs> the princess, princess palace. palace yeah <laughs> so that's amazing i mean to say i'm gonna go do this and i'm just gonna make it work and i'm gonna do the thing i would have done if this if this accident hadn't happened and make it work that's incredible. it was yeah it was pretty wild it was really fun um I oh my god yeah no I have peed next to so many important historical monuments <laughs> in Italy because that was the thing it's like oh wait no trying to use actually this hole in the floor um is way worse than if I just like leaned off the side of my wheelchair and just peed in the open on the street <laughs> I think like that's you know Europe we have like different you know it's you know it's different they're it's freer different, out freer. there yes it's cultural it's cultural it's, very cultural it's, it's a show of respect it's kind to do that yeah no, i know i peed by the trevi up the street by the trevi fountain <laughs> but i did i was like they guard the trevi fountain like day and night it doesn't matter like 4 a.m they've got like polizia there cabarini but like um they don't guard the fountain in front of the pantheon uh, oh so that's a good peace spot and not necessarily well yeah good peace bob also great way to just like jump in a fountain oh. get your little J vita moment on. did you do that yeah oh my <laughs> uh, pictures of me and my friends and like i don't know some like <laughs> swedish dudes <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and the fountain just frolicking <laughs> that sounds incredible that's amazing i just i i went there i was just like a bunch of tourists so the fact that you even got like that moment is very special that's was, really great it was really fun yeah no italy was great i met some of my best friends there but like once I got back to the U.S., I got like really depressed. Mm. I was like, I don't have my legs. I don't really know what I'm doing. I started to gain a lot of weight. Like I was um, before the accident, I was like five, one and a half and about one fifteen. I was tiny. I like at my smallest. I've been around like a two zero two two four. And then um <clears throat> When I got back from Italy, I, I mean, I for sure gained weight just like eating out there. But when I was out there, it was around maybe like a six, eight. And now I'm like 18, 20. <laughs> I gained a lot of weight. In that period right after Italy? Yeah, after it, like after Italy, like I came back, it was like 2008. So it's been 10 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Time flies. <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't be so shocked by that passage of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always terrifying and confusing. But yeah, so you came back and you, it just was all of a sudden it was like life was hitting you. Like yeah. what was happening? A yeah. lot of it was hitting me. It was like, you know, I had friends that were kind of like progressing and like graduating and having real jobs. And it's like, what am I doing? And there was like a... <laughs> 
a thing of, well, she's gone through this like horrific thing that's like for sure like stunted her life. Mm. But also at what point do we just kind of keep being like, it's okay, you've gone through something. Cause like, I mean, I never developed like a pill addiction. Like I wanted to get off those pretty quickly just cause they constipate you. And I, and you're not you on them. Yeah, yeah. You're like just so, so sunked out. Yeah. But it's like, I definitely drank a lot. Mm-hmm. I drank way too much. Mm-hmm. That's still a thing that I struggle with, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, drinking and binge drinking in your early twenties versus like your late twenties is a different people treat it very differently. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden it's she's like, gone from like fun to like, what's up as well. Yeah. Where it's like, we don't want to deal with that anymore. Right. It's like not fun. Not fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also hard. Like the timing of when it happened is so hard. Like what you're speaking to as you see your peers, it's such a important transitional time and career and choices and moving and doing all these things that you do as a young adult and you're figuring out, what you're going to do. And it's just like a different, it's just a different picture and dealing with that. Yeah. That sounds really, really difficult. That sounds, yeah. I mean, it was just like, I don't know if I was like, this is hard. I was just like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And this is, you know, it, it was just challenging and I don't, and there was, I mean, so being hit by the Muni, um, we, I ended up um, suing the city of San Francisco because that was that's who you sue if you sue the muni. And so kind of like going through that whole court system and that was like exhausting and frustrating. And so um, we settled out of court. But then it was like, so what do I do? Like, all, like all of that had kind of like all those things had ended where it's like this should be over. It felt like it should be mm. over. I felt like I should be walking, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I'm gaining weight and I don't really know what to do. And I'm like kind of going to community college, but like it's not really going anywhere. I didn't really have any major plans. Mm-hmm. But then um, I like got just like a bullshit job. <laughs> I was working accounts receivable <laughs> for a like water filtration parts and industrial parts supplier. Just, sure. Like, the most low stakes kind of job, like glorified collections, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's just like mindless or whatever. And then um, I started getting really into comedy and I just started like watching a lot of it, going to like shows at UCB and things like that. Um, and that had never occurred to you before, like when you were younger. Well, I was like, I was like super into like, um, like musical theater and theater. Like I was a total ham. I was like, you know, a ballerina. I did um, all the school plays and musicals. The thing is, though, like I grew up in Los Angeles. So and my sister went to um, an arts high school. She went to Waxa. So growing up, like I know I knew kids that were like, oh, they're actually going to like be on Broadway or be actors or musicians Mm -hmm. because it's a serious job. Like there's skill and training involved in that. And like, even though like I took voice lessons or dance lessons, it's like, I wasn't like seen as any sort of great talent. It was like, Oh, she's just having fun. And so, you know, I was like never the lead in anything. Um, like I went to high school with Meghan Markle. Like she was oh, really? Late. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you guys like, were you in the same? She's two same? years older than me. So you knew of her at the time? Like I knew her. Like she, we were in the same plays and stuff. Wow. Any intel? Yeah, like, I mean, she's the Mark, like and in high school, everyone called her the Markle with Sparkle. Make your decision about whether a bunch of all girls Catholic high schools were seeing that in kindness. <laughs> or, um, <hate. laughs> 
Um, <laughs> okay, taken. Point taken. I love that. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, she was like always the lead, you know. Yeah. I just hear like, <laughs> this is my. <laughs> we have my, to sign on right, Meghan yeah. Markle. It's like, I just don't think you should be allowed to be the lead in your high school's musical and a princess. <laughs> don't yes. think that's fair yes um, but i am glad that she like found a really good use for her old high school graduation dresses <laughs> at immaculate heart high school all the girls wear the same dress um long sleeve white oh boat neck well seen that before hmm. interesting <laughs> that's amazing so yeah, you sorry, sorry. We had a sidebar. I just have to go there. So you, um, yeah, so, you, so I mean, you did yeah, like, theater. I, so like I went to high school with like, and like also to like other girls. Like there's a lot of McKenna. She's like a musician, and like she's done, I believe, Broadway and off Broadway and things like that. Like it's like I knew, and also like my sister, like she went to Loxa and like the Haim girls went there. Mm. You know, like so. Like, I just, I knew that, oh, no, it's actually very serious. And that's actually a really funny thing about, like, when I moved back to L.A., how, like, I loathed actors, where it's like, oh, you think, like, just because you were the hottest person in your, like, town in Oklahoma and you got on a bus here, you think you're going to be an actor? And it's like, oh, it actually takes, like, talent and training. And it's like, it's actually a very serious profession. Yeah, yeah. You don't just, like, decide to do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really think that, like, I could do any of that. But, like comedy i mean i remember really loving like margaret cho's show all american girl like that was like huge for me like daria janine garofalo like um kathy griffin i was like getting into like her specials a lot yeah yeah like um chelsea lately and things like that and so started going to like a lot of ucb shows started listening to like podcast like it's like when podcasts were new right right I remember, like, the first podcast I was obsessed with was Throwing Shade. Oh, yeah. Aaron Gibson and Brian Safi. Yeah. I was such a creepy super fan. Like, now that I do comedy, I realize, like, what a nut job I must have seen to these <laughs> just people. Right, right. <laughs> They're like, why does she keep showing up? I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> she knows all of these things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I was just attending a lot of like comedy shows and stuff like that. And like, Oh, nerd mouth. Like that's cool. And my, my best friend, Madison, she went to high school with my sister, but I met her, um, after the accident, I started, um, hosting America's next top model viewing parties. Mm -hmm. So I would have like wine, like two buck chuck, like crackers. Very classy. <laughs> and she like was a friend of a friend and like came over and it was like an instant friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but she actually, she was a theater major. Like she had gone to London, like conservatory in London for theater. And actually while I was in Italy, she was at school in London and we had like a, like a fall break. Like why they, we somehow convinced them to give us a break. Well, like, well, everyone in the States gets a break for their semester. And it's like, we're on vacation You're in here. Italy in We're the fountain. In Get Italy. out of the fountain. So I took a week off and I visited her in London for her birthday because her birthday is on Halloween. <laughs> it was so much fun. But um, so she was like in L.A. living in Hollywood trying to do like theater, like RE theater. And her roommate was a comedian. So we started kind of just going to a few of his comedy shows. And like after the third one, I was like. I could do this. Yeah. Like, this doesn't seem so hard. Like, yeah. it, like this isn't acting. You know, it's like this guy's just getting off on stage and just talking about his life or whatever. Right. Right. So, yeah, I like hit her up like 
I want to do stand up. How do I do it? How do we do it? Like you're doing this too now. Like yeah. we're all like this is our our new project. That's amazing. And she um she like signed us up for a class with Melinda Hill and it was like a four week course. It was like very chill. Like it was like her and um like Madison and these like two other women. They were actresses. And they were like, oh, we're just doing this like for a resume or like, I'm like, I don't know, it just seems fun. I'm like, mm, just right. not having no concept of right, like right. what I'm embarking on. Yeah. And it was like that first week, she's like, you got to go to open mics. And so like I went to a open mic at a shitty coffee shop in Hollywood, rock, paper, scissors, rock, paper. It's not even open anymore. And then I went to the Lexington mm-hmm. and did an open mic and was like, this is my favorite thing in the whole you world. You loved it. I loved you just it knew so much. And did you feel like that? Did you know instantly you were like, this is kind of going to be a path for it, me that out of this uncertainty and out of this period? There was like a moment like before my first class, like I want to say the class was on, it was like on Sunday, excuse me. Um, And like, I was I like parked and I was like in my car and I was like getting like really anxious Mm. and I had never felt like that specific kind of anxiety before where it was like like it feels like something important's about like I care I want to be good at this right and when it's like for what I mean I'm not like I'm not getting a grade there's not any real this is this is just like a fun hobby right Mm -hmm. like the, I like the whole concept of like actually like being a comedian and like making money from it was like so beyond like anything I could imagine. Like literally when I was 24, I was at, I used to like go to Edendale all the time to like day drink. I was like, oh, I'm happy hour. I'm an adult or whatever. And I remember there was a guy and I was talking to him and he was like flirting with me. And he's like, I'm a comedian. And I was just like, that's not a real job. <laughs> right, right. I just said that to him. And then we like hooked up. <laughs> And then I Googled him the next day and he like he had already done late night. And I was like, well, I guess it is. That's so funny. Oh, Years my God. Years later. Yeah. Um, I had booked his girlfriend on my show. I didn't know that they were like together. Mm-hmm. And but then like he walks in and all my co-producers are like, Danielle, ask him if he wants to do a guest set. I was like, oh, Fuck. wow. Like he's like a name enough. OK. And then, um. I was like, hey, what's up? Do you want to like drop in and do a guest set? He's like, cool. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess comedy like is a real job. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like a full on like eight years later. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it is a real job, but it isn't like I think it's really hard to make money doing it. You have to yeah. work really hard and it may not pay off. It's just like a big gamble. But yeah, you loved it. Like it spoke to what you wanted to do. I loved and- it. Yeah. There's like that, like being in that car and like having like those it was like those it was like chills and anxiety and I and I I don't really believe I've had like kind of an energy before certain things but it was like it it feels so it felt very like cinematic and cheesy almost like in hindsight where it's like and this is the moment that changed your life that's incredible it's like oh no like it's like something else was going on where it's like this is gonna be the thing the thing and you also I'm first of all I'm so surprised you've only been doing it for like a few years because you're incredible (laughs) but I really do love the way I've seen you incorporate being in a wheelchair in your act and your story I have you found this kind of like leading question but like have you found healing through that through comedy and like 
say, telling oh, your story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the fact that I can just like be honest about who I am on stage and share like my life. And also the fact that it's like I'm connecting with people through laughter. And even though they're not in a wheelchair, right, or haven't like we haven't gone through the same exact things, it's like this still the ideas of like, okay, you can like survive tragedy or whatever and yeah. like be fine and be yeah. like a person. And like go through life and still be like be annoyed by like very stupid trivial things, right? Right. Know? Right. And also like be fun and like hot and get laid and just like live, right? Because you just don't. The I feel like there's like people like want to shove this like and the tragedy and you survive this tragedy. It's like just because you can't see physically what someone is going through or has gone through does not mean they haven't like survived some shit. And like that, that's the thing that always like drives me nuts is like, oh, you're so brave. And it's like, you don't get that from just like walking out and like carrying like the burden of your life and being able bodied. And it's just like, we can all just be like a little kinder to each other yeah, and understand that it's like, we're all going through life. It's hard as fuck. Like, let's give each other a break. Yes. Yeah. I love that. In the practical sense, have you found stages to be generally inaccessible like that just I'm thinking about comedy clubs they're not the most well put together spaces yeah no stages are 100% inaccessible Uh, are there just shows like now you know I'm not doing this venue or like there's some I mean you used to be in New York till two days ago had a theater that just was completely not compliant. Oh, UCB East? Uh, in uh, Chelsea in New York. Oh, but now it Hell's just, Kitchen they is? They moved to Hell's Kitchen, which yeah. is ADA compliant. But I've never done like, Chelsea. I've only done UCB East. In East, it's like... But it's, it's still not. It's there. not great. <laughs> Sometimes they'd be like, we don't know where the ramp is. It's like, you should find the ramp. I mean, the ramp is an ADA. I've done, yeah, UCB uh, East. It's, I mean, comedy happens in cool places and most cool places aren't accessible. And that's just a fun fact it's like just a fun the places fact. that are accessible are the dmv and cheesecake factory and who the fuck wants to go there i love the cheesecake factory wow then i've got a guy for you um, <laughs> is it the guy who invented the cheesecake factory can i talk to him about how brilliant he <laughs> mr. is mr cheesecake <laughs> mr factory mr. Factory. mr factory please let me work in your factory i'd love to just be on the cheesecake i'm just a simple factory girl who loves cheese <laughs> cake um but yeah i think but like in la in general i feel like things we were brett and i were talking about i mean we just had an experience where even this building which is generally accessible like the second that we're trying to go to the elevator there's like (laughs) pillars in front of it i mean i can't imagine day to day you probably experience a ton of like why is this here (laughs) yeah no i mean luckily like yeah i live in los angeles and because los angeles is just a relatively newer city a lot of construction is is very new, um, you know, shopping centers and things like that. You know, everywhere you go has valet. That's a lie. But like, you know, <laughs> but it's a classic cool. quote. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so, you know, this is very it's a lot more accessible than like New York. New York is a complete whole. whole. Oh, oh, my God. I mean, the subway, like how can it's not you... accessible. It's the not. subway is not ADA compliant. Our metro system is fully ADA compliant. And the New York City subway no. public chance is not. Um, like, yeah, I'm Dominican. My family, like when they immigrated to the U.S., they moved to New York City. So I have a lot of family there still. I have a lot of friends that live out there. And I used to love going to New York as a kid. I loved it when I was 23. I mean, I was still like I was popping oxy like Tic Tacs, but I like did a week in New York and had fun. But it's 
a nightmare in the wheelchair. I mean, and luckily, like Lyft and Uber is helpful because, I mean, cabs would never want to stop for me. Really? I basically had to get like a friend to stop a cab for me. And then it was like, surprise, I'm in a wheelchair. <sighs> but like even with the Lyft and Uber, I have to account for like one or two of them just being like, no, really? like, I'm not going to pick you up, even though that's super illegal. They What? What is that about? No, I'm not going to pick. They don't want to like wait. They don't want to like take the time. They don't. Also, they don't understand like what my disability is or the extent of it. They're like, oh, do I have to carry her or lift her? I don't know. Like they just don't want to deal with it. Wow. I mean, even in Los Angeles, I get that shit all the time. Mm. It's like, yeah, just to, you know, and like and that's it's like I love this whole thing where it's like I have to tip more to let you know I'm very cool with how much of an asshole you were about my wheelchair, you know? (laughs) Totally. The fuck? I just, it's exhausting. I mean, yeah, New York, it's like five-story walk-ups are just a thing, you know? Bathrooms are narrow little water closets. Right, right. And then you're also navigating with weather. There's like a (sighs) ton of other elements. I mean, (laughs) it must be nice here that it's like, it doesn't snow. I mean, you can like, yeah. Yeah, snow is like, the lack of snow is great, but it's like when it rains, like Mm. that's a whole like thing. It's like, I can't hold an umbrella and also wheel myself at the same time. Right. So it's like, I'm, am I trying to use a poncho? Like, it's just, it's all, it's not any sort of easy. Yeah. Are there things you like easy things people could do either in setting up like their home and having you over or your friends that you just were, she were like, I wish I could just tell everyone to like not do this or do this. Like, are there things you're like, it drives you crazy that people don't think of? I think like the, I think there's the general awareness. Like if you have invited me someplace and you know where we're going, if you can check if it's accessible or where the accessible entrance is, just so you can let me know about that. Or right. If we're going to have a party somewhere and it's like, well, do we have to be upstairs where there is no elevator or can we be downstairs? Is it fine? Also like the bathroom situation. I mean, like I can't, the comedy store is completely inaccessible. Really? It just is. The OR is inaccessible. The belly room is inaccessible. The bathrooms are inaccessible. If I want to use the bathrooms at the comedy store, I have to get on my knees and crawl into them. Like my wheelchair can't even fit into them. And like, it's oh, just a regular God. manual size wheelchair. Right. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. not, I don't have like a tank or anything like that, but um, just being aware and kind of like scooping out and being like, do we have to do this here? Mm-hmm. You know, is totally. there a place that's a little just like chiller? That's kind. But also, yeah, just like the the heads up is appreciated. And like knowing that like, oh, someone will help you, you know. And also if like I go to your place and there's just like shoes and like stuff everywhere and there's just like no clear path, like there's no way I can like get, I don't want to run over your stuff. <laughs> right. Like I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't want to just like come barreling through, but like, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you know your place is super cluttered, just maybe make, just clear a path. Yeah. Clear a path. Yeah. That but makes sense. Yeah. That's always a fun thing. Like I can't fit into most green rooms. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so crazy. So it's like this thing where it's like, oh, cool. All the comics are in the green room and we're all in the same show. And I'm just kind of like hanging out outside of it. I'll be in the hallway. Because I can't fit into it. I mean, like the improv, like they still don't have a ramp. I don't know why. Um, Even though like I've been performing there for like a few years. And like they... Like all the comics hang out on the like other side of the bar. That's like not the showroom side. And it's like there's no way... 
the way the bar stools are set up and the distance from the wall, it's like, I can't do that. So I'm on a show and I have to just kind of like hang back on the other side of the room and make like a weird crisscross <laughs> through the audience to then have someone help me on this stage. What a fun entrance. Which is, wow, you know? What, yeah. yeah. What a <laughs> we make a big, you know, spectacular entrance. Here we go. I mean, RIP Meltdown. But mm. one thing I really appreciated about Meltdown is like the first time I performed there, Caitlin Durante, she was the like the show director, the um, the programming director. She reached out to me and said that she was getting a ramp and asked if there was like any kind of specifics I needed or, you know, what could she do to help me perform there in a way that made me feel comfortable and respected just like as a person. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, like they got a ramp. They're like the first venue in Los Angeles. And also like an important venue for me, like as a new comic where it's like, Oh wow, I'm on a show at at Meltdown. You know, like this is a big deal. And just taking, that taking off time. you and yeah. saying we're gonna figure it out how do we make you comfortable instead and, of you having to like just navigate whatever it is yeah. yeah and truly i mean most i like you know i'm not trying to be like everyone's like a terrible person but it's like it's like exhausting where it's like you have to be like really nice about it because if you're not like oh it's fine it's not a big deal we'll figure it out we'll make it work then it's like that fucking bitch in the wheelchair is like oh because we don't have a ramp and it's like <laughs> wait that also and... is like, like i can't process <laughs> that i would think that just if people are good it would come from a place this is totally naive of like we don't want to make her feel like she needs special treatment or something like that I mean, like echoes like i remember like when echoes was echoes under sunset i you know i started going to open mics there. I would go to open mics all the time. I'd have to get out of my wheelchair, crawl down a flight of stairs, to not even be on the stage, to do open mic comedy in front of the stage. No. Oh my I God. I did that for years. Wow. Like three years. And uh, towards the end of it, I kind I started getting upset. And I was yeah. just like, Christian, like, why don't you have a ramp? Yeah, it's not like the hardest thing to solve. Like literally, or a ply of wood or something. Right, like, right. You're not asking. For I do comedy. I'm not quitting. I'm here. I'm getting booked on shows. Like, why can't you do right. anything? Yeah. And then you move to like Echoes on Pico, and I like performed there recently. It was my first time performing there at the new location, and he's like, "I got a ramp," and I was like, "Cool." He's like, "I got it just for you," and I just kind of looked at him like. That's a shitty thing to say. That's and it's really not a joke. Shitty. No, you didn't get it for me and you shouldn't have just got it for me. You should have gotten it for people who are disabled, who want to perform. Right. I'm not like some outlier special case. And am I supposed to, you know, am I supposed to be super thankful? Thank you and yeah. bow? Like, what do you want? He just like kept wanting to joke about it. I'm like, it's not funny. I just was like, dude, I don't care. Right. This is. Like, it's just a shitty thing That's to say. It's really shitty. It's like, oh, you know, I got you, I got you a colored bathroom just for you. Right. <laughs> what right, the fuck? Right. Exactly. You don't have to like go all the way out in the alley. Like what? That's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe people are that outwardly like rude. This is <laughs> insensitive. It's like a thing where people, and I think it comes from a place of people trying to like gloss over mm. the fact that they realize like that it's not okay. Like I want to believe it's like they actually really do know that it's like actually you're being like incredibly ableist and just like dehumanizing. Right. <laughs> so this is like your just awkward attempt at like fixing it or <laughs> glossing over it. but Making it so much so much worse but i feel like a lot of like i've done a lot of festivals i could travel a lot for comedy i've been to like portland and like philadelphia and 
Um, I just got back from Atlanta. I did Laughing Skull Comedy Festival and people have been very accommodating. Like Mm -hmm. people are good, I believe, and they're helpful. And especially if I'm doing like a festival, um, there's usually like I've also gotten very like good at being proactive in communication and saying like, you know, so I am disabled. I use a wheelchair, cannot walk. What's the accessibility at these venues? How can I help you make them more like accessible? Are they ADA compliant? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes also, sense. Also, too, it's like once you get a ramp, like that opens it up. You right. Know? It's not about you. It's about in general, you Just should make, have a ramp. Making yeah. things more accessible more so accessible. other disabled comedians can perform. Right. Right. Because I'd imagine there are, I'm assuming there are disabled comedians who have taken a step back or not pursued it because it's like they face these barriers and it's really, really hard. I mean, it's hard to get up on stage at all. And then to put more barriers in front of people, it's like, let's just make sure that everyone can get on stage if they. It's the kind of thing where it's just like, I mean, there's just like there's open mics that like and also, too, it's maybe like I've gotten to a little bit of a point, like even though I've only been doing it for like a little less than four years, it's like. I'm not going to put myself through crawling down a flight of stairs to do an open mic. I just, I don't want to do that anymore. No. And I think like there was a, I think like, um, I talk about a little, like I was profiled by refinery 29 a few years ago. They had this, um, series called take back the beach. And so they, um, profiled different, um, disabled women and their relation to like the beach and summer and bathing suits and kind of like what they go through, as disabled women with that. But I talked about how, like when I was like younger in my like early twenties, it was like, it doesn't matter. I'll crawl up those stairs. Like I'll get there. Like, you know, like I'm disabled, but I'm not going to let it stop me. And now it's like, okay, I can do that. But it's like, do I even want to go through that? Mm -hmm. Do I want to like put my body through that? Like I'm fine. I'm, and, but you don't want to feel like you're giving up or like, well, I don't want to be seen. It's like, or I'm, not taking up space but it's just like i don't want to i don't who am i proving this to right and for what and for what right that makes total sense yeah so it's like yeah i don't necessarily want to like crawl up or down a flight of stairs for an open mic no i'll do it for a show but (laughs) (laughs) yeah who's paying right yeah it's just like it's one of those things where it's like that you know that and that is frustrating where it's like no i can't just like run up that wait an hour do my time and just like leave it's like there's other like just i have to navigate the world differently but it's i'm okay yeah yeah and what about dating let's talk about you know dating i mean you talk in your act (laughs) you seem to have a very uh successful love life is that what we would call it are we calling anonymous dick success yes (laughs) isn't that the marker I i think that is yeah I think it is. Are we on apps? What's going on? I am on apps. I'm on Tinder. I'm not, I'm not great at Tinder. I'm not great at Tinder because, well, I bet I feel like I am a little bit. I feel like Tinder should just be dial a dick. And that's how <laughs> I treat it. So I'm just like, yeah, I don't really want to have a convo. Where are we meeting up for late night drinks by my house <laughs> at 11 p.m.? <laughs> that's like just the bio. That's it. Yeah. That's all I want to do. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to know your personality. This one, I hooked up with this guy. Yeah. Also, he, his sparkling personality. He said the cheesecake factory is his favorite restaurant. Oh, that's the guy that you were going to put me in touch with. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was like, Oh, wait, I've got a guy for you. And I was just like, wait a minute. This is you being charming. Like, mm, okay. Anyway. 
So we go back to my place and we're like, like making out, hooking up, whatever. And he just kind of like stops. He's like, I don't like to have sex on the first date. And I was just like, do you want to leave? Is this, like, okay. Well, why are you here? Well, then <laughs> when home. you, when he, like, was this a date? Are we, I'm so confused. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I was like, you didn't really seem all that like interested or excited in me. Like it's just more all, into the cheesecake factory. It so. just like very much seemed like, yeah, we're just like having a few drinks to be like, you're not a total creep. So let's right. Right. You right, know? right. Oh man. And then, um, and then he had a very small penis and I was like, oh, oh I get it. And it's like, um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, but your personality isn't. Doesn't compensate. It's not going to get you to a second or third date. No, dude. no, no, no. But that seems like, you know, I mean, dating online is a lot of people say it's terrible, you know, sure, yeah. horrible. But if you're going in just for the dick, I mean, that yeah. seems achievable. Yeah, going in just for the dick is achievable and it's fine. I feel like I'm at, I'm like in a, I go through phases. I, I do, I would like a boyfriend. I yeah. would like companionship. I think that would be great, but I don't think I'm going to find it online because mm. truly when people are doing online dating, they are shopping for a person. When they're shopping for a person, let's be real, they don't want the fat girl with no feet in a wheelchair. That's just, it doesn't matter how dope my profile is, how like hot my pictures are. It's like, that's just what it, everyone thinks they can do better. And that's just, that's it. That's the reality. So I've like had like, especially like OkCupid days and I've moved away from OkCupid, but like I would go on these dates with these like fine guys, you know, just not terrible, but like nerdy or whatever. And like never really went to a second date. They, it was more like them just like not being interested, but I swear to God, like six months later, Hey, Danielle, what's up? And it's like, Oh, you realize you couldn't find anyone cooler than me. Oh, Cause I'm actually God. very fucking cool. Yeah, like you're way too cool best. for you. For like, sure. Fuck those guys. Yeah. That's crazy. I do think the dating thing, the online dating thing is really upsetting that now in the dating culture it is just like swipe 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 first judgment first judgment first judgment and i think it brings out really bad part of bad people hopefully it doesn't bring out a bad part of good people but i think it brings out a lot of bad stuff like bad snap judgments come sure. out it's like giving them permission to be like there, one thing i have noticed actually about online dating and i'm trying to i feel like i'm purposely trying to curve that is like mm -hmm. especially with like tinder like i had such a hard time with tinder at first because i was like i need to know about you as a person like i'm a personality girl and i realized like so much of that was like this defense mechanism of like like i mean before i lost my legs like i mean i like struggled with like eating disorders in high school and like in college and stuff but it was like i was a thin girl like i wasn't fat like at all like i was like a size like zero two and um and like for how short i was but like I had this like major distrust of hot dudes, like mm. guys that were like objectively hot, right, you know, like right. in terms of like society standards, I'd be like, oh, they're all assholes they are all dicks. And now I'm just like, um, oh yeah, no, I'm going to swipe right on that. I can <laughs> totally catch their dick. Like it's not that hard. Like <laughs> hot dudes can be into like me and my body. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a crazy thing. It's right. actually not that uncommon. Yeah. So kind of like trying to get like, I think for me, it has helped me kind of like try to get rid of those judgments of like, this is just a dude. I don't really know what he's into. But like for me to just like take myself out of the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just Right. Why? When I, I don't know anything about his personality. Yes. And you're playing the game. I mean, if right? we're all just like looking for hot people, we're all looking for hot people. Yay. Yeah. Swipe right on the hot. Swipe right on the hottie. Yes. But um, yeah, like. 
don't know. Online dating, though. My goodness, these men yeah. are cray cray. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I don't get a ton of like, also, I think part of it too is like because I got away from OkCupid. Actually, one of my first experience online dating, this like fucking devotee like hit me up. Really? And, like, was engaging with me. And oh, I didn't wow. know what a devotee was at the time. Uh huh. Because like, I'm very like honest about like my situation. Like, I have pictures of me in the wheelchair. And I like write in my bio, like I'm a bilateral bullet or the amputee. And this dude like in like Rhode Island or something, I don't know, like Vermont, somewhere like East Coast, like starts messaging me and like having like a full on conversation and trying to talk to me. And like he tells me about his ex-girlfriend who like doesn't have an arm. And I'm like, what? Oh, wait a minute. How did you find my profile? And I like realized like he was searching for <laughs> amputee wow and like i'll get like on okcupid like pretty regularly would get like these like creepy messages like these paragraph messages like i love your stumps i want to take pictures of them i want to lick them like do you know what a devotee is some dude tried to tell me he's like a devotee you know it's like it's just like a preference like you know some people are ass men or like like blondes it's like oh no you fetishizing my entire body and like just distilling it down to like my lack of limb is totally not a preference for blondes no that's not exactly different wow wow yeah that's crazy so finding out like what devotees was was like totally crazy and then i like met one in real life oh yeah like but not not from the internet i didn't like meet them up i was just like on a show yeah with this dude yeah and like another comedian well he calls himself a humorist so clearly he's not funny um (laughs) whoops we ended up a humorist whoops 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 imagine trying to be a comedian and all the best you can do is humorous i mean no that's just (laughs) that's like I just imagine cartoons where no one knows what the point is. Like, well, I'm not really sure. You're just like adjacent to comedy, sure. So comedy I like adjacent. Comedy adjacent. Comedy, comedy adjacent, adjacent. Humorous. Yes. Humorous. Like, like a bunch of unfunny comedians, ex girlfriends that just don't know that they can just leave the party. <laughs> leave the party. Just leave the party, girl. There's something here for you. <laughs> You want to fuck his friend? I mean, like, I mean what's it. the end goal that's here? It. Get out. That's all you can do. Move on to a different uh, scene. Better scene. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There's there's better there's better scenes out there. <laughs> I hear artists are great. Yeah. Artists. <laughs> maybe they don't congregate as much. And that's a good thing. You know, and get like stay spread in out. Yeah, stay home. <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah. guy, like I did a show and like afterwards, he just comes up to me. He's like, you're gorgeous. You're funny. You're like, I know. The fact that you don't have feet really does it for me. Oh, yes. I was terrified. Oh, my God. I was like, I cannot run away from this situation. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe Physically said- being held hostage. I can't believe he said that. For Yeah, girl, like with intensity, like eye contact. It was so creepy. That's so fucking creepy. Oh, my God. And then he asked, it's like when you ever like cheat with a married man and i was like we gotta get the fuck out of here and he's married too clearly oh my god i would like message his wife um what did you do you just like you're just like no bye thanks i was like oh my god no this is crazy but then it's like wait but i love making bad choices (laughs) so i was like maybe (laughs) 
I like went out on like a oh my god I like we I met up with him at like this bar during the day but it was like one of those dark alcoholic bars oh gosh so we were in a booth and I just like kept drinking I was like I need he's like drinking coffee and I'm like I need another whiskey um so we're like in the booth and like making out and he's like fingering me and then he starts Wait. telling me about his one man show and I was like I can't I'm out like this is too much like I thought I could and I was like no way this <laughs> is so crazy one man show like that was the thing like while he's fingering you he's talking about his one man show yeah. and your vagina just like closes <sighs> up and like cuts his finger 100% it was like sandpaper just like <laughs> oh I got cut oh yeah I got a paper cut um, so that's cool. That sounds like a nice quality guy. That's yeah, a nice thing to say. Real. It's just like honestly, <laughs> the the brazenness of saying that too. I just it's so I, nuts. It's so nuts. But like that, like that was like a really bizarre thing because like yeah, I never met a, a devotee in real life, and like mm-hmm. he like identifies as a devotee and was like barely like. Like when we were like in that booth, like he was like being pretty frank and honest. And I was like, wait, so what is it like? How did you know like you were into this? Like, right. Yeah. Where does this because so, like a fetish is like you can only really kind of come that way. Right. I thought so. I That's also I thought my like research on the topic was like there's something probably in your youth that informed how you tie that to sex. Right? And so there could be a story tied to it, which is like. Who the hell knows? But it was like the way that he would like look at me and engage with me. It was like I wasn't really there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was like I was like an object. You're an for object. Sure. You just check was, the box of whatever thing it, it was, is. It for was them. really fucking creepy and weird. That's really creepy. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like you have, you know, sure, I am beautiful and hilarious and nice things. But the second that that's, mm. it's like, oh, I'm not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the fact that you don't have feet really, really does, does it, it for me. me. <laughs> are there females who are like that with men? like with male amputees are there i mean i'm sure i'm sure like there's the female devotees yeah i mean i'm i'm straight like i identify like as straight so um i like online like i'm only looking for men but i mean women do message me sometimes but i never respond oh really yeah oh i thought we were talking about devotees or just in oh, general. Yeah, yeah. not devotees. It's just like women. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Although sometimes like other like amputees will like message me like trying to bond. I'm like, I can't. Like <laughs> I got enough going on in my life. Like I don't. You have a really funny joke in your act that I've seen about like when you're at a party and there's another person in a wheelchair. And it's like, do we make eye contact? Like, like, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, is it is it real? Like, right, right, right. If I don't move, does it see me? I just, <laughs> that was like a, a funny thing. Like it's kind of like, black people when they're kind of like see each other and they have like the nod it's like what do you do right. as a disabled person like do we have like a like a sign do we like, yeah bump i don't know like we pop wheelies do we like <laughs> bump crutches like i don't know what it is right right or what right. i'm supposed to do just do but a lot of that too is like my kind of like own internalized like ableism of where it's like i for 20 years i was like able-bodied and i didn't think about disability like obviously like I know like people are in wheelchairs or disabled and have like um, chronic illness and things but it's like it didn't it wasn't a part of my life and so a lot of that was like oh you're in a wheelchair but it's like bitch you're in a wheelchair <laughs> like, <laughs> like you realize you're also in a wheelchair right 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 that's so interesting <laughs> that like you have recognized your internalized ableism yeah yeah, yeah and also too yeah like the projection of like well they must be that like inspirational like good one that's doing all the right <laughs> things because it's like i'm not like, <laughs> I'm peeing like in on the streets of italy and like jumping in fountains oh like. my god i find you such an inspirational person it's like <laughs> I, you changed my life 
this conversation. I want to go to Italy and like pee beside pee. I want to be in a fountain. I just want to do it all. I honestly want to do it all. And so how would you describe like now your relationship to your health and your body? Like, do you feel like, like, do you versus you were talking about before, like you mentioned you had eating disorders and you mentioned that you've gone through struggles with your weight. And like, do you feel now you're like, you're in a good place? Like you're working towards stuff. Like, how do you feel about your relationship to your body? I guess. I mean, I feel like I'm in a good place. It's, I it's kind of one of those like shitty things where it's like, I mean, when I was like in high school, like grade school, high school and college, like I thought I was like a whale. I thought it was like huge and like totally like unlovable and unfuckable and just like, oh, this like garbage, trash, ugly person. And it's like I look back at pictures and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like it breaks my heart knowing like just the kind of low self-esteem I had and just like poor body image I had Mm -hmm. when it was like girl that was your youth you know yeah yeah but it's also really dope to know that it's like okay I am this size like you know and I'm disabled I don't have feet and I'm like posing in my bathing suit on the internet right like I'm able to live a really fun and cool life I have sex like it's not like that hard right right (laughs) you know like I've been with men who are like you are what I'm looking for like your body is amazing and like not in a creepy fetish way (laughs) like but it's just like I I feel better about it it doesn't mean I don't also get like sad and like oh you know it doesn't mean shopping for clothes at this size isn't hard and frustrating and like with the wheelchair too it's like okay yeah that ball skirt is really nice but then it's like gonna hit the Mm -hmm. wheel and like get destroyed like Mm -hmm. there's certain things that just are like difficult to right 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 um with the wheelchair but I am I'm happy I'm in a good place I mean I do want to lose weight. I need to get better about like, but also too, it's like, I'm not going to, I know that like trying to go on like a crazy diet, like isn't going to fix it. And it's about like, I should be like healthy and I can like eat things that are better for me. I like vegetables. I like fruit. I need need to stop being lazy. I can exercise. Like I, a lot of it is, I, I think I've been like pushing it on the back burner and for a while, like, uh, oh man, a long time ago, <laughs> I don't know how long ago, but I was like, my goal weight's like, I want to be a size two. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I'd like to get down to a single digit. I think that could, that, I mean, that's going to take a long time, you know, but I don't hate myself because I'm not that. Right. And it's like, I can still, th- I think that's a thing that's like kind of like touchy and like the body positivity movement and stuff like that. And like, I, um, I follow a lot of like body positive, like Instagram accounts and stuff like that. Like doing those kinds of things has really helped me with like my um, self image and self esteem where it's like the more you expose yourself to different people, right. Different cultures, the more tolerant you are. Right. So if I'm seeing like gorgeous photos of women of all like shapes and sizes and colors, like that helps me not feel like I'm just like this, like crazy, fat, ugly, gross outlier. Right. So, but even within like the body positive movement, I feel like there's some people that are just like any desire to want to like lose weight is like seen as really negative. And it's Mm -hmm. like, nah, like I can love myself and still want to change certain things. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, totally. That doesn't mean I don't love myself. It's just what works for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, you know, it's 
about creating healthy habits, which <laughs> maybe I should start with like opening up my mail with any sort of regularity. <laughs> That's like the one thing I will never do. I mean, you could say eat vegetables all day. I would never open a piece of mail. It's all probably pretty scary at this point. It is. The it's longer it's just, you wait. I know. It's like, no, I know that there's bad things in it. Yeah, it's like once you start bad. seeing second and third notices, you're like, I mean, I can't now. There's can't, no way. I can't go back. I got to burn it. I got it. <laughs> it's the only way up. Um, so Danielle, this has been so wonderful. I'm so glad you did this. If people, which they should want to find more of you, where should they go? What should they look for? Find on me your... on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Um, my Instagram and Twitter are at diva deluxe. No E at the end. Friend me on Facebook, Danielle Perez. If you're not a creep, I'll totally <laughs> accept. Um, and, uh, my website, the Danielle Perez.com. And I, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, I run a monthly, show called gentrification in highland park at avenue 50 studio it's the last friday of every month so awesome come come hang out and watch a show i love it great okay so thank you so much for being here and you know see danielle around la <laughs> thank you forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by dog. brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey for more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.